The Severe MMA Podcast Premium with Sean Sheehan and Graham McDonald. Welcome, welcome everybody to another edition of the State of the UFC address for our Patreon subscribers. In fact, this time around it's for, for everyone. It'll be out early access for the Patreon subscribers if you're listening now on Friday and it'll be out for everyone on Sunday. So thanks everyone for listening because we've no obviously podcast this week. I'm away, I'm actually in Scotland, probably drunk at the moment. So thanks to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> thanks to probably everyone. Drunk. Yeah, Almost drunk. definitely drunk, even on Friday probably, and I haven't even left yet. So that's it anyway. Graham, how are you? Hurtings? Yeah, good, good. Can't complain. Uh, the weather's been a bit bad, but uh, that's that's Ireland for you, so it's uh, it's normal. Yeah, it's, <laughs> is normal indeed. Is it is it is it just cold up there, or is it snowy and wet or what? It's not snowy, but it's raining. It was raining pretty heavily yesterday. It was like puddles and stuff for a while, and today it started to rain heavily just now. But it's in patches, but it's just really cold. Hashtag pray for Graham. You'll be. Right. I hope there isn't fucking frost on Friday anyway when I'm uh, when I'm flying out. So I'm not a great flyer. I haven't flown in years, so I hope I don't die. If I die in a plane crash. I hope you'll have for me. I, f- I haven't flown for like 10 years. Yeah, I don't I don't oh, no. fly that often, yeah, so I'm changing. You should I'm watch a few uh, aircraft investigations. Yeah, one, the, one of the lads has been sending them to me for the last week, just uh, all the time, all these aircraft investigations. Like, they're, yeah. they're, they're enjoyable. Yeah. Not going to lie to you, Mark. All right, let's get into this. If you haven't listened to one of these before, basically we go through every division. We talk about the state of that division, where it's going to go maybe over the next six months and stuff, and see who maybe... It's kind of, the, you know, the top of the division more than anything. So we kind of look through the rankings. We'll use uh, Zane Simon's great list over on Bloody Elbow. If you want to look that up, it is the... Uh, let me just see the title of it here. It is the list of current UFC fighters, basically. It's what it's called. So it, that list tells you all their, their next fights and everything like that. So we're going to be going to that uh, fairly often right here. So the first division we're going to talk about is heavyweight we're going to uh, talk about the big boys and obviously if you're listening to this on sunday francis ingano versus curtis blades has just happened so with the winner that we don't know you know right now because we're recording this on on wednesday but if you're listening to that on friday i suppose this conversation will be a bit better for you but the, the rest of it should be fine anyway but the heavyweight division graham it's it's in a bit of a weird place at the moment, isn't it? Because of, of Daniel Cormier, you know, yesterday Stipe Miocic came out, uh, call, kind of called out Daniel Cormier. Daniel Cormier responded, you know, the same as he's always been responding, if Lesnar doesn't take it, you'll get the shot and all this. Is What what do you think is going to happen with the with the heavyweight division and Lesnar and, and Cormier and Stipe and all that? I can understand Cormier, like, you know, he's 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 not young and he's talking about retiring soon and he wants a, a big fight and the Brock fight is a lot bigger than the Stipe fight, mm-hmm. even though the Stipe fight has more sporting merit, but we all know everybody who follows the UFC for, or even passing interest in the UFC for any sizable amount of time knows that that's not really what it's about. It's about it's about making money and for someone like Daniel Cormier, he's in the, we talked about this a couple weeks on the podcast, he's in a position where he can finally, after a lot of, okay, he's only been in MMA for, what, 10 years, but He's been in combat sports, wrestling, like dedicated his whole life to martial arts. And this is the chance to make money. So I can understand him wanting to wait on Brock, but Brock's he's fairly unreliable. He's going to be tested a lot. Uh, he's failed drug tests in the past. So um, <laughs> I can see why Stephen Miocic will be, will be annoyed. Like he was a champion for the longest reigning champion. He doesn't get a rematch, but... <laughs> It just doesn't sell. It just doesn't sell. So I, the UFC aren't going to be rushing to make that. They'll maybe wait for the, the Brock fight, and Brock will do good numbers. But I don't think, I don't think Stipe, I don't think Stipe. Even if even if they, you know, the big rematch, the champion, longest reigning champion. I don't think people care about Stipe at all. Mm-hmm. And people do care about Brock, even if Brock is kind of, 
the people are kind of lost interest. Some people have lost interest, and he won't be doing one million or anything like that ever again on pay per views. I don't think so. He'll still do sizably more than pretty much anybody else on the roster, bar bar Connor. Mm-hmm. I I think it's a very interesting one because you know we talked about it before the Derek Lewis fight that you know Stephead deserves a rematch I think because he is you know he was the winningest sport friend yeah, yeah, yeah exactly but winningest the, the winningest exactly I, I know I hit myself you said it with a straight face <laughs> I didn't actually I was kind of half laughing taken in you've been taken <laughs> in John but the thing about it is like will Brock Lesnar come back and you know wrestling fans are kind of looking at you know Brock Lesnar had a match versus Daniel Bryan there on Sunday and Brock when he came the last time you know he had a couple of matches Daniel to, Bryan yeah. he got retired no, he came back again. He got. He came back. He he was fixed. He went to like. It's it's actually an interesting chat, probably for an MMA show, which we might have in the future. But hashtag WWE retirements. No, well, yeah, yeah. But he was actually <laughs> <laughs> he was actually really retired, unlike anyone in MMA, because he had um he had severe concussion injuries. But but he went to like this doctor got this hyper hyperbaric uh um mm. what's the word hyperbaric chamber treatment and he improved and he's you know his head got better and all and and they allowed him to come back because you know concussions are a big problem there but. Obviously Obviously, that could be a big thing for MMA fighters in the future if they can get a similar thing. But however, they had, they had a really long match at the weekend. And the last time Brock came back when he fought Mark Hunt, he had a couple of matches. And, you know, they were really short, like two-minute matches and stuff. War- you know, no chance of pulling the muscle or getting injured or, you know, throwing yourself over the top rope and, you know, hurting your leg or something. But this was a long match. It wasn't the roughest match in the world. But towards the end, you know, he got he took a few bumps and stuff like that. Something which, if Brock Lesnar had a fight coming up in two months, would he actually do? I'm I'm not too sure about that. So that's a thing, you know. Always, and well, he, maybe he, yeah. Under contract with WWE, maybe Vince is like, you can take this fight as long as you. We're not we're not gonna wrap you in cotton wool if you get injured. That's we're not like we're, yeah. we'll let you have this fight, but we're not fucking rebooking everything just because you want to have a fight in two months. Yeah, that's true. As well. but I, I I think it, uh, you know, the fact that he did the last time, and he had a match a couple of weeks ago as well with, with Braun Strowman, and that was a, a very sharp match, but he's a lot tough of a worker and stuff, and he's more likely to get injured in that match, but still not. I think he's another match coming up in a, in a few weeks here with, uh, with who does he have a match with? I don't know, with, with Braun Strowman again, actually, so we'll see if that's, uh, if, if that's uh, a light one as well. But uh, however, you know, this division, you know, at the top... It, Right there, it's kind of we kind of know what's going to happen. It's either going to be you know Brock or it's going to be Steve or maybe John Jones if if something happens there. And we'll get to the light heavyweight uh, in a second. But after that, this division obviously it's you know it's really like we saw uh, Daniel Cormier just beat um, Derek Lewis there recently, who's not not a great fighter at all. You know we've we've Curtis Blades obviously fighting Francis and Ganoa. They're the next two in that division uh, on on Saturday, so we'll see how that goes or went if you're depending <laughs> on what time you're listening to that. Volkov just lost to. Um, to uh, who who so he lost to um to Derek Lewis as well. You know we have uh, JDS coming up this weekend. Uh, you know Mark Hunt didn't tell to Ivasa. Yeah, I'm in there. All in there. But there, there really isn't. You know, looking through that division, I know Justin Willis is is number fifteen now. He's fighting Mark Hunt coming up here pretty soon. There really isn't much in that division, okay. is there? Coming through. Yeah, there's nothing, and, and that's why Francis Ngannou got rushed so so badly. Even though we kind of saw coming that he was well being rushed, I think maybe. I can't remember who we picked, but I think, I think I can't remember anyway. But it was like it was it was a case of, yeah, we were saying even even if he wins, it, it, it's a risk to push him to assume. But if you look at the rest of the division, who else? You know, that's the kind of thing. And Daniel Cormier is kind of come out of nowhere. Like he wasn't really in the discussion when we were talking about that uh, to go up heavyweight. Uh, but it's still, even him, even Daniel Cormier in the division as a, as a double champ hasn't really given it any new, any, any has given a tiny bit of a boost, but not really. It's, I think people want to see, well, I certainly want to see the John Jones, Cormier 
fight more than I want to see Cormier and Lesnar or Cormier and Stipe again. Mm-hmm. I, like the, the Cormier fight that I want to see is, is the John Jones fight. Yeah, I, I think at heavyweight it makes Even sense. Even heavyweight, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Just, I, I don't think it makes any sense at a light heavyweight, to be honest. Cause like, it, does, it does make some sense. So yeah, but definitely. he's beaten him twice already. I know the second one was ruled mm-hmm. out because of PDs, but I, I don't think... Look, I think the main point of this, whether it makes sense or not, I think the main point is Daniel Cormier is never making light heavyweight ever again, I don't think. I don't. I just don't think he can get down that weight anymore. He probably could have, but does he want to? You know, at this stage of his career, he is the heavyweight champion now. It's, his, it's an advantage for him to be at heavyweight. I think making John Jones come up and put on you know, a bit, a bit of weight, and probably won't need to put on much weight anyway because he does cut down. You know, I, I think that's that's the advantage for him. Like, and if you you know, kind of looking through the rest of that division, Tyto Ivasa and Justin Willis are probably the next two coming. They're both fighting UFC Adelaide coming up next week against Junior Santos and Mark Hunt, respectively. You know, they're it's only both three and zero, and, and it, it, it is too soon for them. Like, so this is you know, which division was it? I think. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure which division was, but I remember talking about it the last time we did this and talking about maybe you know maybe it's a good time to give someone else you know a rematch or something like that just for them guys to build it up. You know, if he fights um if he fights uh John Jones right now, maybe by the time that fight's over and there's another six months passed in, maybe them guys are five and or six and all by then. You know, and that's they're in a position then, like maybe Francis Ngannou was or you know like Derek Lewis was who went nine and one, where you're kind of looking for a title shot at that stage. So I don't think that'd be the worst. Thing in the world and even the Brock thing wouldn't be the worst thing in the world you know or maybe if Stipe goes in and gets another um, you know another win in there it, it could be a thing but look there's also this talk of Daniel Carmier retiring which I, I don't really believe but I, I suppose we, we'll we'll see with that one again uh, if you were to predict so what will be the next heavyweight title fight DC and Brock I have a feeling yeah I have a feeling Brock's not going to come back I have a feeling it's going to be John Jones I don't know. Yeah, yeah I just, for the title. Yeah, I just that watching that match last uh, I just don't think Brock's going to come back. If he's not back before John Jones uh fights and we'll get to that next before he fights uh Alexander Gustafsson and he beats Gustafson, what's Jones going to do? I think Jones would be very foolish not to call out Daniel Cormier in, and is Daniel Cormier going to turn that down? I'd, I'd be very surprised if he did, so that, that's my, my, my prediction next. And I suppose, you know, as we talk about that, Daniel Cormier is still the light heavyweight champion, which you'd kind of forget, wouldn't you? They're doing one of these deals again where DC will be stripped of his belt as soon as John Jones and Alexander Gustafson uh, touch. Is that the right thing to do here, do you think? Uh... I, I, the belts just mean nothing really now, do they? Yeah. It doesn't really matter to me. I just want to see the the best fights. <laughs> I want to see the most interesting matchups, and if if there's a belt on the line or not, as long as it's a five round fight, that kind of used to be the thing. Mm-hmm. Or an interim fight would be like our oh, greatest five rounds, but now every main event is for the last what five years. Every whatever it is, I'm not sure how many yeah. years, but for the last few years. Um, who was the first one? Every Qu- quiz question. Who was the first five round main event? Ooh. I know it's one I always remember. Was it no, it was in I believe it was in Nottingham, England. Ooh. Mm. Um. There was he actually fought Reese very recently. He shouldn't really have been fighting. He fought last week, I think, in bare knuckle boxing. Jesus, I don't know. The Crippler. Chris Lieben and yes. Mark Munoz. Mark Munoz, yeah, that was it. That was the first one. Oh, yeah, so was that, that yeah. Oh, yeah, you were. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. But, like, should have remembered that. <laughs> you should have. But I think, you know, you're talking about the title's not making sense. I actually think it, the interim title does make sense. 
right here because Daniel Cormier is talking about retiring and you know we can believe that if you want but I, I don't think he'll ever fight at light heavyweight again as I said so you know John Jones is coming back uh, Alexander Gustafsson is there as well those are the only two guys at that light heavyweight division who are near deserving a title shot you know Anthony Smith is ranked number three at the moment after you know Cormier champion and Jones and Gustafsson so from that point of view I, I think it, it does make sense you know, as a as a fight, like it's this is a hard, and I suppose we won't do a big analysis of the fight now. But it's it's kind of an odd fight, isn't it? The fact that I I put up the stat there in the last five years, Jones has had four fights, Gustafson has had kind of five fights, and it's a rematch of maybe the best fight in UFC history. And you know, is there a danger of this maybe not living up to the expectations that we have for it? Yeah, I think so. I think that's the same with any when anything though. Mm-hmm. On paper, it looks like the best the best card or the best fight, and it can. It can turn out to be a stink fest or whatever, but you can't worry about that. You got to make the most appealing fights that the fans want and that the cards that the fans want. And uh, if it turns out to be a stinker, it turns out to be a stinker. But the the money's already been paid to pay per view or whatever, so it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. And I, I suppose when you look at light heavyweight, then what what's coming through? Obviously, I mentioned Anthony Smith there. He's definitely one coming coming through there. You know, Volkan Odzimir has had a few setbacks now. Same with the likes of Jimmy Manoa and, and Jan Blakovic. Then you have like Alier Latifi, which is a guy we maybe write off a little bit, but he's doing really really well recently. Had injury problems as well, though. He's ranked number five. Then you have good guys like you know like Dominic Reyes, Misha Sarkanov, Tyson Pedro coming through there, and the to cry love as well the light heavyweight division you know there isn't really many names there isn't really many guys who are maybe you know eight and one nine and one like like a Derek lewis coming through but there's some guys isn't there there who maybe 16 18 months ago really weren't there and that we were kind of worried about that they weren't coming through but there is a few now like uh ian kutilab as well he's fighting glover Teixeira here coming up there's a there's a small bit of life coming in light heavyweight isn't there <laughs> Yeah, but it's probably going to be the same case as if, if these guys do emerge as any kind of prospect or any kind of real prospect, they're going to be pushed too fast yeah. into into upper echelon fights or title fights. Well, there isn't really much of an upper echelon in that division if, if Cormier and Jones are going to the heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Um, and Johnson coming back would be, Anthony Johnson coming back would, would help. Um, yeah, but he, you never know. It looks like he's, he's going to come back as heavyweight. Back, he yeah. yeah, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. You know, you've seen the, the shape he gets into between fights, never mind retirements. So, Maybe just all the upper echelon guys like Gustafsson can join them and then be at heavyweight and there'll be nothing or like heavyweight. Mm-hmm. It'll, be, it'll maybe make it a bit more interesting to be. Uh, even, more even matchups, but they won't be of a high caliber. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then moving on to, to middleweight, this is kind of the division that has, you know, for, when Anderson Silva was champion, he it went a bit like flyweight for a while in that, you know, obviously people didn't speak as negatively about it as they did about flyweight, but it was kind of, you know, Anderson Silva was fighting guys who kind of expected him to beat, and then obviously Chris Wyden came along and beat him. But now there's a, a little bit of a stalemate again because obviously Michael Bisping kind of wouldn't fight anyone for ages. <laughs> then he got the the Dan Henderson fight, then he got the GSP fight, which were two kind of fights that no one really wanted. You know, obviously Dan Whitaker got the belt, and GSP wouldn't fight him, and Whitaker has been uh, injured. And you know, you had the old Romero thing, and you had Luke Rockhold getting injured and stuff like that. So this is a division really that it's it's. It needs to be kick-started again, doesn't it? Obviously, we've Robert Whitaker uh, fighting Kelvin Gaslam coming up here, which is a, li- a bit of a weird uh, <laughs> title fight as well. But, you know, this is this is a division with so much talent, isn't it? And it's one that really needs to be kick-started in the next couple of months, isn't it? Yeah, well, I, th- I think a lot of the guys have fought each other, but uh, I think the rematches are interesting. Like, I think like I'd watch Rockhold and Jack Ray again. Mm-hmm. I, like, I'd watch a lot of them fight each other again. Like, I'd, I'd watch Jack Ray and Whitaker again. I'd watch Wonderboy if he moved up. I'd love to watch him and, and Whitaker. I, I, when we had made a dream card, that was one of the one of the matchups I put on the, the dream card. It was Whitaker and Wonderboy at, at middleweight. So, 
Um, yeah, I think maybe if Wonderboy moved up there, it would give him a new lease of life and it would give the, the, the middleweight division a bit of a, a new lease of life as well. Mm-hmm. The, the, the thing about it is as well, there's I don't think there's ever been, you know, you talk about there's a lot of rematches and there definitely is, but there, I don't think there's been as many fresh matchups as well because maybe Robert Whitaker is the champion. But like, Jacare did so well uh, and I know, you know, they fought before as well, but Jacare did so well against Chris Weidman there, you know, a couple of weeks ago. He looks like he has a new lease of life. It, you know, Israel Adesanya, what can you say about him? Looking yeah. absolutely phenomenal. But I don't want him rushed in either, yeah. you know. He does look ready, like, in a lot of ways, but it's just not like usually there'd be no need to rush him but maybe there is a need at the moment I suppose Whitaker does have a couple of matchups like the, the Gaslam matchup and he has a couple others that he hasn't fought like he hasn't fought uh, Rockhold and it's maybe Adesanya will have enough time to develop to to be for it to be the right time to put him in there mm-hmm. you don't want to wait too long either you don't want to wait too long either but you, you don't want to rush them in it's a fine balance and I think we didn't really appreciate how good Joe Silva was at, yeah. at bringing these guys along until he's gone and, and they kind of messed up Francis Ngannou and even even like when Cody Garbrandt went in and won the title I thought it was too soon to put him in there mm-hmm. <laughs> it worked out but yeah. Right I, I was on uh, I was on submission radio last night. They asked me about Adesanya and who who should he fight next, and I kind of said the same thing as you. And d- didn't they ask me who who I think he should he should actually fight? And I said Anderson Silva. I think Anderson Silva makes a lot of sense. And you know, maybe looking at it in kind of the cold light of day, you're thinking, "Oh God, is this guy going to run over Anderson Silva? Is Anderson Silva too old?" And but I'm not sure. I think it, I think that fight makes a lot of sense. You know, you've two stand up guys. Anderson Silva will have no problem fighting Israel Adesanya. I don't think. I think he'd love to go in there and bang with Adesanya. Uh, Adesanya, mm. I'd love to fight him well, as well. Be looking for a big money, bigger money fight. So if he's gonna, what's he's he gonna, gonna get? Go to middleweight middle again. What's he gonna get? I don't think he's gonna get any. I don't think he's getting GSP. You know this Conor McGregor thing is. I don't think that's realistic. I don't think that's gonna happen. I think it's, I think the kind of like the way he kind of stepped in against Daniel Cormier at light heavyweight before. I think that kind of that kind of fight is what Anderson will be looking for. Something interesting on maybe at two oh five, where he doesn't have to put the weight and. I don't know if his passion is there anymore. Even when he lost the belt, he, he kind of said it was like a relief mm-hmm. to lose the belt pressure and stuff. I don't know. Do you think Rockhold is too much of a step up for, for uh, Adesanya? Or do you think, yeah, I yeah. think it's too soon for him. Yeah, it's a tough one, though. Who do you give him? Like, you just beat Derek Brunson. Mm-hmm. Um, Paulo Costa's there, just ranked number seven. He's yeah. ranked number six at the moment. You know, you have the likes of Elias uh, Teodoro yeah. as well. There'll be, there'll be no fanfare around that matchup, really, like, outside of the hardcores, but it's maybe a matchup where... He can he can show more and he, he might get in a couple of difficult spots and he can overcome that and develop as a fighter. But there's not really the, I can't really think of the perfect opponent for him. There's no there's nobody really that makes oh this is a match you need to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, let's move here to to the women's divisions before we get to the rest of the men's divisions. And I suppose women's featherweight is one we we'll get the first. Um, <laughs> Cyborg is Chris fighting Cyborg. Amanda. <laughs> She's fighting Amanda Nunes coming up at one forty five, which is by far I think the best fight uh, maybe ever in the UFC. By far the best fight at one hundred forty five pounds ever. Though you know <laughs> that doesn't say much for. But like I, I am happy with the one hundred forty five pound division to be honest, because I don't really want the one hundred forty five pound division. Be a division though. Does it need to just be? Can they not just make fights and not pretend to have a that's, division? That's what they're doing though. I think. But, but they have it like you know rankings, and they have like oh this person number one in featherweight. It's like can we just have? Is there no? Hold on, let me look at the rankings. Is women's no? There's no featherweight rankings. No, they don't have any. Yeah, oh, it's so, gone. no, they never had any. I don't think. I think it's just, just cyber yeah. there. But the thing about it is that the current tough that's gone on. Yes, there is a current tough going on. Is 
is is I believe it's women's featherweight. So there probably will be women's featherweight rankings after this. And you know, just I there is really no need for it. But maybe there won't be women's featherweight rankings. Maybe they'll just bring a few of them in and have Cyborg absolutely <laughs> destroy them, which you know you kind of need as well. But look, I'm I'm happy with it though. And you know, as long as they don't do what you said there, as long as they don't make rankings, as long as they don't try to build this division, uh, or, or maybe you know build it in, in Victor or something. Or, ready to be, and, exactly, ready to be. exactly, hundred percent. I'm a hundred percent happy with with um, Cyborg maybe having two squash matches a year and then bring someone good up to fight her. You know, Nunes now maybe you know if she beats Nunes, build someone else up. You know, maybe Holly Holm again. That was a good fight the first time. Maybe Durand me if she's you know willing to fight her this time. You know, there's 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 a few fights there, and you know, um, Kayla Harrison as well. Maybe in if in in eighteen months or two years time or something like that, maybe she will be able to come into the UFC and fight her as well. But I'm I'm actually happy enough at the, that division. I'm really looking forward to Cyborg versus Nunes. That's an absolutely fantastic fight, and I've I've a feeling Nunes yeah, is going to win it. What you say? It's a woman. We've been talking about it for a while, and I, th- I think it's going to be a really good test for Cyborg. Like it's kind of hard to know where Cyborg is. Like even in the uh, uh, Tanya fight, uh, or uh, what's her name again? Tanya Avenger. Ta- Tanya Avenger. Um, Fight like Tanya Tanya Avenger was was out of shape until on short notice, but she she showed that Cyborg can be taken down quite easily. And I think it was obviously a lot of years ago, maybe like eight or ten years ago. But Gina Carano, who wasn't really a takedown artist, took down Cyborg. I think she mounted her and just kind of panicked and got out of mount. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so she's she's not like unstoppable. Like you know, you watch a highlight reel, you may think she's unstoppable, but when she's knocking people out in the first round and but when she, she hasn't come up against somebody good in a long time. And she's going to come up against somebody good in Amanda Nunes, somebody who brings it hard early as well, and somebody who's gone championship rounds before. And Cyborg, can she go five rounds yeah. without getting tired? I don't think so. And it's interesting, well, because Cyborg has become more of a cerebral fighter, you know, in in recent years. And the thing about yeah. it is, like, Cyborg has always been this kind of monster against maybe fighters who tried to fight smart now she's fighting smart against someone who likes to be a monster you know and whether Amanda Nunes will be a monster against Cyborg or not that that's you know interesting to see and whether she even can be that is very interesting to see I'm, I'm really 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 looking forward to this fight I think it's this is the the highest of the high level at the moment in in women's MMA and you know it, it should be uh, it should be fun and but with that you know being said then the women's bantamweight division is suffering a little bit because of it. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the, the rankings here. There aren't really many people booked. Um, Sarah McMahon and, and Juliana Pena are both out on maternity leave, which is kind of odd to see in the rankings, but how I never fair play to them. You know, Marion Renault's fighting Yana Kunitskaya at UFC 223. And that's that's the only fight booked in that division right now, which is which is absolute madness, isn't it? You know, there's, there's what, I think, like 20 people in that division or something and only one fight booked with, obviously, Nunes booked the division above. So that doesn't, you know, say much from, obviously, you know, Jermaine Randomy only fought recently there. Holly Holm is, is ranked number one there. Ketlin Vieira has obviously been doing great things uh, recently and Raquel Pennington obviously just lost as well, you know. And that division is kind of on hold for the meantime, isn't it? While it's kind of the, op- the opposite, you know, to the light heavyweight and heavyweight division we were just talking about where, you know, the belts are kind of getting moving because of that interim title. But there really isn't an interim title to be made there is there and that you know the whole division behind it is kind of stagnant yeah i don't think the UFC are in any rush to kind of sort it out either they're yeah. just kind of happy to let it lie and sort itself out yeah and i suppose the women's flyweight division then is you know valentina shashinko is is going to be fighting joanna uh coming up here in, in a couple of weeks time which is really the start of that division isn't it you know this is this division has been an absolute mess since um since uh what's her jesus christ what's her name the the, the champion huh what was her name? 
Montagna, v- v- something, yeah, Nico Montagna, there you go. Uh, yeah, since she was the champion and was relieved of her duties uh, as champion, there really hasn't been much in it. Obviously, Rachel Ostevich was, was uh, uh, you know, um, the victim of a, a horrible crime there recently. She was supposed to fight. Uh, Paige Van Zandt, who, who a lot of people were talking about, could be close to a title, you know, but they'd love to push her into a title. So that fight's obviously not happening. You know, Caitlin Chukagan is fighting Jess Guy at UFC 231. That's going to be a big fight. That's probably a number one contender fight. Ariana Lipsky as well, who lots of people know around Europe. KSW yeah. champion looks absolutely fantastic. She's coming in as well, so she's definitely one to, to keep an eye on. But the, the Shevchenko in Jetrek fight at UFC 231, that's that's the big fight that this division isn't. You know, we talked about Nunes there and Cyborg being high, high, the highest of high level, but this is too, isn't This is a fantastic fight. Yeah, it really is. And it'll be interesting to see what Joanna looks like when she doesn't have to cut as much weight as well. But, uh, you know, she, she's lost twice, but Rose... Rose kind of had her number in a way, like you know. I think I think the first time she maybe there was a number of factors the weight cut and uh, maybe even underestimating Rose a little bit. But I think when you're undefeated, you have this kind of extra confidence and momentum that she doesn't have anymore. So it's, it's even more interesting now uh, that that Shushenko matchup than than if if it was uh, if it was Joanna moving up as as champion to try and win two belts. I, I'm more interested in seeing how she looks now without the kind of the weight cut. She kind of blamed the weight cut, so without that excuse, and and to see how she looks after after losing that kind of momentum and confidence of, of an undefeated fighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, at one hundred and fifteen, I suppose there's a bit of a gap left now with Rose Nam Yunus uh, out, kind of injured until until the new year. With you know, there's there's no real fight lined up for her, is there? I suppose Jessica Andrade is the one we'd be thinking of, but Tatiana Suarez yeah. is really the the person coming there, isn't she? Claudia Gadelia as mm-hmm. well. I know is is there thereabouts. So, but that's that's a kind of that's I think the probably the strongest in terms of talent in in the you know the women's uh, the women's divisions. But it's it's kind yeah. of it's it's all these, a nightmare yeah. matchup for all of them, I think as well. Yeah, hundred percent. This like if people listen to this, maybe haven't seen Tatiana Suarez or haven't uh, you know haven't paid too much attention to her. She is you know people. I, I think it was Luke Thomas or someone like that was saying, I don't want to call her the Haviv Nurmagomedov of of uh, MMA. Well, I will. I call her the Haviv Nurmagomedov of women's MMA. She looks you know she looks so so good, and obviously you know two wins for Rose Namajunas against Joanna and Jacek to to win the title and into you know retain it again. This is a very, very different matchup. If they do end up fighting, and I think they will end up fighting, there's nobody stopping. Um, there's nobody stopping Suarez getting that, getting that rematch. But uh, you know, Jessica Andrade has been on an absolute roll as well. A tear. She looks, she looks really good at the moment. Cynthia Calvillo, if she can make the way, it was looking good as well there last weekend. Uh, there isn't that many people booked in fights there. There's a few in the upcoming Beijing card here. I think there's three or two or three fights as well uh, on that. Uh, Claudia Gadelia is fighting Nina Antrov coming up here at two, two UFC two three one, and and that's really it but you know the division is is strong in terms of fighters i think at the top but you know outside of that it's you know outside of you know the the, the matchmaking and stuff it's not the best at the moment but however i think uh once rose comes back maybe that the division can can improve again let's let's move on to 125 pounds and okay we, we've talked and women's 125 ones we've talked about this a lot at this stage but what's where's where are you sitting now with the 125 pound division the men's yeah yeah, it's, it's hard to know what's going on. They haven't really made it clear, and I don't think they want to make it clear. They're just going to see how it pans out. But when you lose the, the best fighter ever to fight at that, possibly the best fighter ever in general, mm-hmm. in Demetrius Johnson, just when he has an interesting... Like, for the first time in in a long time, you have a chance to make a, a rematch with, or a, a match with some that people actually care about in the Henry Zahudo rematch. Okay, maybe it's not going to do great pay-per-view numbers or anything, but... 
I think it's gonna that will probably do better numbers than any than any like Ben Askren pay per view for people who are, are talking as if it's some kind of great deal for the UFC mm-hmm. and that Demetrius Johnson is crap and boring and a midget and all that stuff that people say. Yeah. But um, and the division has such high technique and it like you know we're talking about these these. Uh, women's divisions uh, 45 women's 145 and 125 and how much of a mess they are and the lack of talent in the divisions and the lack of talent at men's heavyweight and light heavyweight and stuff like that and you look at how much talent the UFC had and have uh, in the men's 125 pound division and they just kind of don't care about it because it doesn't do numbers for anybody who kind of thought for people talking about oh this guy deserves this on sporting merit or talking about it like it's some kind of league it just more proof that it, it, it just isn't. What I don't, if, if more yeah. proof wasn't needed, but <laughs> if people don't need more proof that it's not really about sporting merit, mm-hmm. then this is. Yeah. What I never understand, what what I don't understand right now is why didn't they keep division and make it an ESPN division? Put all these title fights on ESPN. You know they need content for ESPN. They need to keep their ratings up because you know that's where mm. they're making most of their money. We see with WWE as well. And we see with all live sports. All the big money is coming from TV, and now they have pay per view as well. But as I say so often, there isn't many pay per view draws. If you know, if you're cutting people who aren't pay per view draws, you can cut fucking ninety nine point nine percent of that roster straight away. So like, why didn't they keep Dimitri Johnson there? He would draw double the amount of ninety percent of the fights that they have on live TV or ESPN Plus at the moment. He's going to draw lots of money there. So why don't they put him there? That makes you know, and even he wouldn't mind if, yeah. if, if it's true that he's not on pay per view points. He wouldn't mind. Mm-hmm. And and I'm sure you know the same as with Henry Cejudo or whatever. You know now that Dimitri Johnson's obviously gone but it it just you know it makes no sense this whole 125 pound we've we talked about the debt but what about demetrius johnson versus tj dillish i know we talked about this uh, or sorry tj dillish versus uh, henry sudo i know we talked about this a little bit on the podcast but it's worth saying again here like this is going to be at 125 pounds it looks like like mm. what's the point of having this fight at 125 pounds after closing down the 125 pound division it's just it's just idiocy isn't it yeah and i don't know if they are closing down the division they just they cut loads of people it. and all that. It's, it yeah, makes no I know. Sense, yeah. yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I, I don't know what the play is here. If there is a, if there is some kind of calculated play, I, I can't see it. Yeah, I, it's very confusing. Yeah, and I suppose like kind of morphing into bantamweight, then that division is another one. There's so many divisions we're in an odd spot at the moment. I remember the last time when I did it with Crooklyn, we were at kind of a spot where everything had kind of just happened, and we were waiting for it. To, to kind of restart again and now they're kind of we're still waiting for it to restart maybe what is it six weeks or two months later or even you know the bantamweight division as well you know the, the likes of Cody Garman just lost obviously to TJ Dillashaw so he's waiting to come back you know Dominic Cruz has kind of been waiting for a title shot for two years Rafael Essensau is waiting for a title shot Marlon Moraes is waiting for a title shot you know Jimmy Rivera just lost John Lineker is not getting there anytime soon the same with probably Aljamain Sterling John Dodson Pedro Munoz this is you know TJ Dillashaw going away it might be the worst time in the world for TJ Dillashaw to go away to let this division kind of re-up would it yeah, 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 exactly. Like uh, somebody's maybe while he's off, somebody will make a statement and make themselves the 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 the, the guy for the next title shop. At the moment, it's kind of between a few different people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, maybe maybe Sudo goes out there and wins, and then moves up to thirty five, and it opens up the division even more. Um, I haven't really analyzed the fight, but uh, it's gonna be interesting to see. Like, yeah. what what does TJ what does TJ look like at twenty five? I don't know. Like, is he gonna be? Is he going to be able to make that weight and still be the same fighter? I've predict- I know, he's pretty muscly. He's pretty. He's, he's pretty big for that division. Yeah, I've predicted it's going to be the first uh, UFC title fight where both guys miss weight. That's what I predict. 
That's what I think is going to happen. Yeah. No, we yeah. Actually, a few interesting fights here. Dominic Cruz is fighting John Lineker at UFC 233. That's a pretty good fight, isn't it? I'm looking forward to, to seeing that one. Now, Rob Font is fighting Sergio Pettis, who is moving up from 125 pounds. So that's probably another sign that 125 pounds uh, is close to dead. Brian Caraway is fighting uh, Pedro Munoz coming up here at the Tough 28 uh, finale. Montel Jackson versus Brian Keller at UFC 232. Keller was supposed to fight there recently, but I think he got he got sick or something like that. I see that big fight that we all kind of wanted to see. Tom Ducanois versus um, who's he supposed to fight again? The the ex Cage Warrior champion um, Woods Nathaniel Wood. Oh, okay. That's that's off because of injury as well. But you know, there's there's a few good prospects obviously coming through. There always is 125 pounds. It's you know it's a it's a pretty good division. I really like Gavin Tucker as well. Even though he you know he lost recently. Sean O'Malley is another guy. Obviously he's out now with um with a USADA suspension. But you know um. Uh, there's, there's a few good guys coming through there as, as there always is um, Jose Cunonos is another guy as well I think he's 4-1 uh, now, now in, the, in the UFC and uh, you know there's there's a few good guys there coming through so you know that division is always going to be uh, is always going to be interesting uh, £145 then Another division which is interesting, you know, you have the likes of Chad Mendes fighting coming up here at UFC 232 against uh, Alex uh, Volkanovski. Obviously, the Max Holloway versus Brian Ortega for, for the title is, is coming up uh, as well. We've Ryan Hall versus BJ Penn at UFC 232. Hall might move through tra- towards the rankings uh, with that as well. Um, there, there really isn't much else going on there. We've Kevin Aguilar against uh, Rick Glenn as well. Uh, and, and really not much after that. But this, this title fight is... Is a big, big tile fight, isn't it? This is for the hardcore yeah. fans, maybe not for uh, the casual fans, but it, this is a big, interesting fight, isn't it? Yeah, it's an interesting one, and there's a couple of interesting ones besides that for Holloway as well. Like Mendez coming back, I'd like to see how when Mendez with a couple of fights behind him, how how he'd look or how the Holloway fight with him, Holloway and him would look. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, it's it's not it's not the deepest the division's ever been. It's it's far from it, but there's definitely some interesting matches for Holloway. And then there's also always the possibility with Holloway that he's going to move up because he is quite big for that division. And there's also the the, the factor of how is Holloway going to look after whatever happened to him the last time he tried to fight. He he, he looked in a really bad way, and Bisping called him out on TV about it, and he got pulled from the fight. So it's interesting to see if he'll look the same. And <laughs> Brian Ortega is evolving very quickly. Like nobody would have. I didn't see anybody predicting the knockout of, of Frankie Edgar. People were people were picking Ortega. They were picking submission or decision. They weren't picking knockout. So he's he's adding new things to his game as well. So maybe maybe he'll have some some new things for Holloway that he hasn't shown before as well. And maybe that'll be a factor. But maybe Holloway will be completely recovered. Maybe he won't. Mm-hmm. It's an it's an, interesting, it's an interesting fight even without all that going on in the, in the background. When mm-hmm. uh, with all the, with all this, like Holloway's still improving fight to fight as well uh, in in the in the past anyway. So. Yeah, uh, I think this the, Holloway is is a really exciting fighter. That I love watching as well, um, and I'd like to see him at, move up to lightweight. But I think he has a couple more fights he needs to, or he should go to, uh, go for first, including this, including the two one two I mentioned, the Mendez, and obviously this one that he already has lined up against Ortega. But if he leads the division, maybe somebody will emerge. But light, lightweight's already completely stacked. Don't really need Max Holloway there, but Max Holloway doesn't care about that. He'll move up if mm-hmm. if that's where the best money fights are, or if that's where his body tells him he can't do the the forty five foot anymore, or number of factors anyway. And he's a big guy, and he's 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 been getting bigger fight to fight as well. So, um, for the moment, the, the featherweight division is healthy, has a couple of big fights to look forward to at the top. But 
it might become bare as well if, if no new talent emerges and Holloway leaves the division. I, I think it's I think it's the best division in the UFC. Just just looking at the rankings anyway, it's just so fun. Like uh, Ortega and Holloway, you know, we talked about them. So fun, brilliant, brilliant fighters. Jose Aldo, always a brilliant fighter. Frankie Edgar, great to see him lose. Uh, <laughs> what are you joking? But he's always, you know, he's always fun to see as well. You know, Mike Hannum, okay, maybe not that fun. Chad Mendes is always fun to watch. Jeremy Stevens, always fun. Cub Swanson, always fun. Mirsad Bektic, just... Cub Swanson, uh, always fun yeah, to watch. I was like, I love watching Cub Swanson fight. Yeah, I know you hate him. He's your Frankie Edgar, like, but there you go. Uh, Mirsad Bektic, one of my boys, very good to watch. You know, Josh Emmett, good knockout artist as well. Volkanovski coming through here, looks really, really good. Ricardo Lamas put on a great fight with Darren Elkins at the weekend. Jair Rodriguez put on fight of the year against Chan Sung Jung. And then Zabit Magomed Sharapov. You're talking about someone yeah. who we're looking for to take over this division, to take it through, to take take it on their shoulders. And that's the man, Zabit Magomed Sharapov. He will be the UFC featherweight champion. This is not an opinion. He, this is a fact. Do you think, he, do you think for, well, he doesn't need to, but do you think it, he'll be ready to fight Holloway in, what, two or three fights time? Yeah, I think, I think he's ready yeah. right now. I think he beat Max Holloway right now. I think he's that good. I think he's just... I think he's fantastic. I know Max Holloway is really good. Max Holloway as well, to me, he's this perfect example of a fighter you can show people to, when they say, you know, James Gallagher signs for the UFC and, or for Bellator and they say, oh, you know, one fight, get him a title shot, get him in there. And I'm like, whoa, hold your horses now. You know, Max Holloway is that guy. You know, he got he got taken down and destroyed by Conor McGregor. You know, okay, if, if he'd been beaten on the feet by Conor McGregor, you could understand, but taken down like that, you know, and beaten by Dennis Bermudez back in the day, oh, that fight was obviously very uh-huh. close and stuff like that. Yeah, hobbery. But, uh, you know, he, he's one of those guys you could show you could actually see the improvements in his game because he's been in the UFC from a young age and, and came through and got really good you know I, I love Max Holloway for that you know I, I never thought Max Holloway would get to this level I thought he'd kind of he had reached maybe not reached his peak but he had he'd been where he was going to be maybe three years ago but he just he has kept improving and improving and improving and he's really one of the top pound for pound fighters in the world right now this guy is absolutely fantastic you know you talk about him moving up to to lightweight, I'd love to see him fight Conor McGregor again. I think he's the best matchup in the world for Habib Nurmagomedov. I think if anyone beats Habib, I think it's Max Holloway. He's you know he's absolutely fantastic. But Brian Ortega is the wild card in that division. He all he needs to what do about Brian Ortega versus Habib as well. Like yeah. that's another interesting of featherweights moving up. I'm always as the guards pass here. I'm always skeptical about jiu-jitsu lads against uh, Habib because is he going to get you give you any chance to get off that jiu-jitsu he but do you see, see the, the kind of little details in the guillotine that he pulled off who was it against it was Cub Swanson yeah he did a couple of them didn't he yeah the one against Cub yeah, it, was just, the best one. it does look higher level than, than what we're seeing from nearly all guys mm-hmm yeah, it'd be interesting, yeah, but I think I just think Max would have the ability to push Habib back that you need to beat him, you know, I think that analysis that I did and, uh, you know, a few people that I talked to Patrick Wyman about it before the Conor McGregor Habib uh, uh, Medal fight is still correct I think the, be- the way to beat Habib is to push him back and I don't think there's I don't think anyone can do it as well as Max Holloway you know, if Habib beats Max Holloway if that fight was to happen, I think Habib is the pound for pound best fighter in the world, you can't, you know, you can't deny him then, uh, well, apart from maybe Dimitri Shanson, but, um, you know, that'd be a uh, a brilliant fight but you know there's, there's just so much in that in that featherweight division it, it's just so exciting and i'm looking forward to, to seeing it right let's let's jump to featherweight here and we, we'll end with lightweight because that's maybe the, the whole money division and obviously you know there's a lot to talk about there welterweight right now you know tyron woodley is obviously you know he's out at the moment waiting for this colby covington fight it looks like that fight is going to happen yeah. colby was the the interim title holder you know that's I, I don't know, you know, a lot of people talk about Colby Covington and people, you know, hating him or liking him, and, and that's definitely true, but is, is this kind of the drawing card that they want it to be, do you think? No. Yeah, I don't think it is either. Yeah, 
yeah, I don't don't see anybody talking about it uh, with any excitement. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of nobody really talks about any Woodley fights with much excitement. Um, it's kind of even though when Woodley has exciting performances, people seem to kind of forget about them and just remember the boring ones because I suppose the boring ones last twenty five minutes and <laughs> the quick ones or the, the exciting ones last maybe around. Um, yeah, it's kind of it's 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 bad for Wonder Boy. He's in a very unlucky situation where he's probably the best mm-hmm. in the division, but he can't. He's not going to get another title shot anytime mm-hmm. soon. So he's probably better off moving up the middleweight or waiting for Tyron Woodley to lose his belt. Um, they lost Roy McDonald, but he, Roy McDonald ha- like hasn't. He lost to Gregor Musasi, and I think he's over the hills, over the hill anyway. Johnny Hendricks is a shadow of his former self. Um, he's gone. Johnny Hendricks has Us- gone bare knuckle boxing. Yeah, o- Usman is like maybe it's too soon, but maybe he's maybe he's the guy to put in there against Woodley as long as he wins next weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, ben there's nothing too exciting there though. Yeah, there's nothing too exciting there. It's not with Woodley. There's no matchup with Woodley that I really want to see again. Yeah. Or really want to see. It, it, and the weird thing about it as well is Ben Askren. Even if he does beat Robbie Lawler, he he said he's not going to fight Tyron Woodley because they're they're training partners, which is <laughs> which is a very odd thing to say. I I think even though you know they're not really training partners, you know okay they are, but Woodley's only been there a couple of years and stuff. And you know Ben Askren, this is his big chance to come in into the UFC. Maybe you know maybe Woodley would go up and fight at middleweight. He's a big big well maybe not a huge welterweight, but he's you know muscular guy. I'm sure he could fight at 185 pretty easily. And when, especially when the likes of Robert Whitaker and Gelden. Gaslam are fighting for the title I'm sure he could but you know the welterweight division is is a very good division but there's it, it's like lightweight as well and we, we'll get to lightweight obviously soon you know the division is actually so good and there's so much talent that a lot of the guys are kind of beating each other you know Dos Anjos has just lost to Covington Darren Till just lost uh, Stephen Thompson has lost two in a row now or, or maybe, no he hasn't lost two in a row but he lost to, to Woodley and he lost to, to Till arguably won both of those fights but how and ever you know Robbie Lawler's kind of on the downslope of his career I, uh, you know I, I think yeah, Ben Askren yeah Rory's gone you know Ponzinibbio coming through looking good we talked about him last week I think he's a really really interesting fight for Tyron Woodley you know compared to you know to a lot of them Damian Maya you know he's not getting into any more big fights uh, coming up George Masvidal is fighting Nick Diaz coming up at UFC uh, 233 we have Carlos Condit versus uh, Michael Chiesa 232 which which should be a pretty good Gunnar Nelson is coming back as well against uh, uh, Alex Oliveira here coming up pretty soon uh, Jake Matthews is one of the, the guys coming through that a lot of people you know are talking about Nardine Taleb had a good win a, a couple of weeks ago as well Warley Alva is obviously the guy to beat um, uh, Colby Covington is, is coming through there as well I think he's, he's six wins now in the UFC, the likes of Bolal Muhammad as well. Curtis Millinder has looked good, uh, in, you know, in in his few fights in the UFC, and and then you have uh, you know you have a few more as well. This division is absolutely huge. CM Punk as well, obviously coming on there, and he's probably gonna gonna win it as well. But you know, what what about the the whole Woodley Covington uh, fight? Before we, we move on to the lightweight division, is there any way Colby Covington actually beats him? Do you think? Well, it's MMA. There's, that's the kind of that's a no. Way, so that's a no. Is it? Yeah. So it's MMA. Is your is your method of victory? It's not much of a chance. Yeah, I I see very little chance. It's not intriguing about this fight at all. I don't even think the shit talk is going to be great. I think, I I think Colby Covington. What's he actually going to say to Tyron Woodley? I'm not sure. He really hasn't said anything that insane to Tyron Woodley because you know he what really can he say? I don't know. It's, it's going to be a bit of a weird one, but however, right? Let's move on to our final division here. I hope I haven't forgotten one. I always have a fear I'm going to forget one in this. But lightweight, 
what's going to happen here? Like, Habib Magomedov and Conor McGregor obviously going to be before the Nevada State Athletic Commission, I think, in, in a couple of weeks' time. I, I doubt much is actually going to happen to him. You know, it could be four months, six months or something like that for Habib, and I'd be very, very surprised if McGregor got anything. He didn't really do anything, doesn't deserve anything for, for the, the final incident anyway. Um, do you think they make the rematch again straight away? I think so. I think I think it makes the most sense. Uh, you got to well, the irons. I think I think they'll go for they'll go for that as long as as long as Habib doesn't get banned for too long, which I don't like. You, I don't see him getting banned for too long. I think it'll be one of these fake bans, like a three month ban, when he wouldn't have fought anyway. Um, so yeah, so I think it makes the most sense. It did what? what how many pay per views did it do again? Uh, did we get a final number? Two point was it two point six million or something like that? Two point four million, 2. something 6, like that. Two point four. Okay, let's say two and a half million. Like you see, and then they're going to be looking at that and being like, "More that, please." And mm-hmm. they're going to see look at that footage and be like, "Maybe, maybe even more than that." Yeah, I, I think this fight makes all the sense in the world for Habib. It makes all the sense in the world for the UFC. It makes all the sense in the world for the non-hardcore fans. I don't think it makes all the sense in the world for Conor McGregor. I don't think it makes all the sense in the world for the hardcore fans. Uh, and I explain why. I think, I think McGregor. I don't know if he's in it for just these big money fights anymore. He's in it for obviously big money fights. But I think there's a few winnable big money fights that can maybe get him ready for this other big money fight against Habib Nurmagomedov and maybe have him in a better position to actually win it. I've a feeling like I've a feeling he's thinking about Nate Diaz and thinking Nate hasn't fought really that much and I can get maybe a training camp here and here and I can fight Nate Diaz or I can maybe step in and in sh- on short notice here and maybe take a cowboy Cerrone or someone like that or you know someone falls out of a fight and Anthony Pettis or someone like that, I, can get, I can come in and take that fight and maybe win and maybe get back into it you know I I, I don't know is for for McGregor you know. Does that make sense? Can he be ready for Habib straight away enough? You know, is he getting back into training camp? Is he out selling his whiskey again? Or you know, is I, I don't know. Does it make the more sense for him in the world? Because if he goes in there and loses to Habib again, which you know I think he probably uh, probably would. I think you know if he's he'd have a lot better chance if he was back in form. If he was back in you know to the Conor McGregor of old, I think he'd beat him. Like, but if he's not, if he's you know not there, not on form, he's he's not beating him. So I think you know, is it better for McGregor to get back and he, whatever he fights, he's going to earn big money and get big money fights anyway, whoever he fights. You know, would he be better off having maybe two fights and then getting back to fight Habib, you know, from, from his point of view? And, you know, the, the thing about it is, you know, he's not the only one making decisions, I suppose, anymore, although he's, you know, uh, probably the, the main party in, in deciding them. But I, I think that's an interesting kind of debate here. And, you know, I've said it from the second Habib jumped that fence, but he did that because he knew he'd get the McGregor fight again because of it, because it's, it's all so much. And that's the only way that fight was happening again because Habib made us want to see it again by by telling us basically it's not over and it was over the second he finished McGregor because he beat him you know so comprehensively but you know that that it's still going on isn't it that feud isn't over and they've they've I'd be very surprised I don't if they didn't think it's I think it was more of a he just didn't give a shit and he was just like I'm going to do this because he felt disrespected Mm, yeah, that's just a bonus. I'm, I'm a bit skeptical on that one, as, as we know, as we've as we've discussed before. But what about yeah. what about Tony Ferguson? Do you think oh, do you think there's the chance of this happening? Obviously, you know they've they've tried to make this fight forty eight. I don't think he's on the level of the of Conor or Habib. I I, I know everybody here is Joe Rogan and Bravo, uh, Eddie Bravo talk about how great he is, and they think he's unstoppable everywhere. But his fights have shown that he's very hittable. He gets dropped a lot against guys who you shouldn't be getting dropped a lot by. Okay, everybody can get dropped. Like it happens. Like Anderson Silva, like got caught. Like everybody, everybody gets caught in the end. But every if you fight enough, but he he isn't really like you know Anthony Pettis has more submissions in the UFC than mm-hmm. than 
than Tony Ferguson. So he's not just submission monster that the Rogan podcast would have you believe, and people believe him listening to the Rogan podcast. Anthony and Pettis striking, is though very good. Yeah, <laughs> and Anthony Pettis, like okay, uh, he's not the fighter he used to be, but um. He, he beat him up a little bit, didn't he? Like, the, the thing yeah. about Tony Ferguson is, you know, Venata and Pettis have kind of shown what he's like in feet. You know, if he went in there against McGregor, you know, a prime McGregor, I think it'd be a pretty easy night for him. But, you know, it's, I think Tony I think Ferguson... Habib, well, yeah. Like, I don't think he's getting any of them rubber guard or 10 plant jiu-jitsu submissions anywhere near Habib. Like, he's going to get pounded if he goes pulls guard or anything like that against Habib. It's a bad decision in the way I see it playing out. Yeah. Um... <sighs> From a sporting point of view, though, he, he kind of does deserve it, doesn't he? What, he's won, like, 11 in a row now or something? I, I, yeah. I, like, I don't think... The, the thing about this is, like, I don't think Tony Ferguson is a guy who is going to draw that much. Habib might be, you know. We'll, we'll see. Will he get the, the bounce from Conor McGregor? Like, McGregor kind of got the bounce from, from uh, Fly Mayweather. So maybe that'll happen. You know, a lot of people obviously watch him on, on pay-per-view as well. But Tony Ferguson has been trying to be a pay-per-view draw. He's trying to be a character, but it's, it just really doesn't work. He's just a bit of a weirdo, isn't he? No, I don't think it has, has worked for him at all. But from a sporting point of view, I think it definitely makes sense. I think it should be next. I yeah. Think, oh, I, yeah. yeah. League-wise and sporting-wise, he, mm-hmm. he deserves the title stop, but that's as we talked about earlier. That's it's fairy tale stuff. It doesn't. That's not a consideration in the UFC yeah, these days, or never really was. That is true. And uh, Dustin Poirier is obviously next one coming through there again. He's on just a fantastic role at the moment. It's unfortunate that he got got injured. You know, you know, looking at him and 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 Max Holloway since they both lost him, Gregor have been absolute tears and have done so well. And you know, he's one of the best lightweights in the world. I'd love to see him versus Habib or him versus Ferguson or you know him versus McGregor again. Be a great fight. Obviously, Kevin Lee is improving so much as well. He got submitted by by Tony Ferguson, but he's improving a lot. Edson Barboza is always fun to watch Justin Gaethje the most fun fighter maybe in the history uh, of MMA and then you you know you look down, down through that division Alexander Hernandez coming through there uh, as well Dan Hooker coming through there this guy is this guy is next level as well so it's, you know lightweight is always going to be strong you know you have good fights coming up Jim Miller against Charles Oliveira as well Dan Hooker's fighting Edson Barboza which is a fucking fantastic fight uh, you have Hernandez versus uh, Trinaldo you have Drakkar Close versus Bobby Green which would be a fun fight uh, Kevin Lee's fighting Ally Quinta Paul Felder is fighting uh, James Vick. You've uh, Olivia Oban Marcia versus Gilbert Burns uh, and and a few more uh, as well there. So this you know this division is as strong as maybe as strong as it's ever been. A lot of uh, you know a lot of fun fights there uh, as well. And you know it's uh, it's a joy to watch really, isn't it, Graham? Fly, um, yeah, like no, it. Fair play it is, to like it's it. a great. Yeah, it's a great division. And even we were talking about featherweight. We were like, if these guys move to lightweight, these matchups and. Yeah, there's a lot of exciting matchups there and, and, and around it and potentially in the future with, with even um, Zabit, like in the future, probably be moving up to, to lightweight, I'd suspect. Mm-hmm. Holloway, obviously, uh, we were talking about the Ortega possibilities against Zabit, but that would interest people as well. Um, so there's, yeah, even when the even when the even all the guys at the top of this division have 40s, there, there's new fresh blood coming through as well, even, even down below. Down in, down in the featherweight division that are going to probably move up at some stage. Mm-hmm. So uh, this, the future is very bright for the, the lightweight division. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, all right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Really uh, appreciate it. Thanks very much to, to Graham for joining me. Hope you enjoyed this. If you did enjoy it and you're one of the people uh, listening on the normal free podcast, please sign up at Patreon, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. It only costs like, f- what was it? Four seventy a week four. or something. So the price of a, or, or a, a month even, not a week, sorry, a month. So the price of a pint every month. So you can buy myself and Graham half a pint every month if you sign up there. All right, everybody. I'll see you all next time. Good luck.